All right, good morning, church. And here's Frank over there. Don't get him mad at Christmas time, because then he'd be frankincensed. <laughs> Where's my rim shot? <laughs> All right. Oh, come to the altar, sent here from heaven, uh, and praise his name. Sent here from heaven to take the blame. Give heed to his words and make him ours, the baby, the king, the Lord of the earth. followed the star and found the babe in swaddling cloths in a cave with Mary and Joseph they believed because they were wise they saw him our God the baby the king the Lord of heaven Joy to the world, the Lord is come. 
sounding joy. Repeat the sounding joy. Repeat, repeat the sounding joy. It rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glory. Wonders of his love, and wonders, wonders of his love. That blessed day when our Lord came down, angels appeared and scared the shepherds. Beautiful notes they sang and urged them to go and see. And there they found him in a manger surrounded by sheep, the baby, the king, the lord of everything. God spoke to our ancestors 
through the prophets many times and in various ways. But in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. All right, so, so the, the poetry, that is the first three verses, explains that Jesus is God. He made the universe. He came down to forgive our sins, and he is now sitting at the right hand of the Father. The words introduce the book of Hebrews, whose author is unknown. Uh, we're not sure who the author is. And is a declaration of who Jesus is and what he has done. And it links Jesus to the New Testament and to the Old Testament. Angels who have been revered figures in the Old Testament are inferior to him and his most holy name. Amen. Good word. Good word. Um, I'm going to ask uh, those who are helping with the collection to, to come up um, as, we, as we pray. Uh, this morning, my prayer is simply this, that during this Christmas season, that um, people's hearts would be open to spiritual things, uh, and, and in particular, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And um, my prayer is that we get a little bit more lovingly bold in sharing Christ with people. Um, Christ is our only hope. He's our only hope hope. So let's pray. Father, thank you. Beautiful worship. We love the Christmas carols and the theology in there. Oh, Father, the last hymn talked about the second birth. That's why Jesus came, so that men and women would come to know him and be born from above. Father, there is no greater gift. And so, Father, my prayer is that people would be open to the message of the gospel this Christmas season, that we wouldn't be consumed by the busyness of, uh, of it all. And, Father, that you would put in us, through your spirit, a loving, holy boldness to share the gospel with others and invite people to come out and taste and see that God is good. And Father, we give to that work. Would you bless the tithes and the offerings? We pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said? Amen. Amen.
we're going to sing that on Christmas Eve. So um, Christmas Eve will be our candlelight service, 7 o'clock here. That's a Saturday night, uh, the 24th. And then we'll have our regular worship service uh, Sunday morning at, at 1030 on Christmas Day. Uh, if you're interested in reading scripture for the uh, candlelight service, uh, see me or call me during the week and, you know, we'll fit you in. I think I have three or four passages that uh, I would like, you know, to, to read. And it's nice when some other people come up and read them. Um, yeah, Chip? Oh, okay, good, good. And, you know, if anybody else wants to do just just let me know during the week and uh, we'll fit you in. Um, this Christmas is um, different. Uh, when I say different, you know, we're coming out of COVID. We're coming out of uh, uh, a lot of stuff. You know, our country is in a mess, isn't it? Is anybody here who doesn't think our country is in a mess? All right. It's in a mess. You know why it's in a mess? Because people are messy. What makes people messy? Sin. Sin. I want to tell you a story of a, a rude awakening uh, I got one day when I came home from school. Um, I was in, uh, I guess, uh, eighth or ninth grade at the time. And my mother, when she was pressed for time, she would, she would cook gravy, spaghetti sauce, uh, in a pressure cooker. Well, back then, they really had no safeties uh, on them. Well, she got sidetracked, and it exploded. There was sauce on the ceiling, on the walls, on the floor, on the refrigerator, in the refrigerator, on the stove, and I came home, it looked like a war zone, right? And, you know, my mother just tried starting to, to clean it up. And, of course, we pitched in and, and, and helped her. It took a long time. But what a mess. You know, you don't realize how uh, spaghetti sauce can stain, correct? And, you know, it took a lot of scrubbing, a lot of cleaning. Yeah, get your Tupperware, right? Uh, and all I keep saying is... What a shame. All the sauce is lost. <laughs> you know, it, it would be better in the stomach, but uh, it was lost. But it was, a, it was a mess. It was a mess. And my mother's health was failing at the time, and uh, I knew she couldn't clean it up all by herself. And it's not right that she cleaned it up all by herself since we eat her cooking, correct? Sin makes messes. The problem with sin is that we can't clean it up. Do you understand that? We're born with Adam's rebellion, made a mess of things because we were born rebels against God. And um, only God, through Christ, can ever clean it up. Even as believers, when we sin, we still make messes, right? Um, I don't want to get graphic, but I live on a, a main road and I see people walking their dogs all the time. And in Lacey, you got to clean up after your dog. You got to clean their mess. Not a pleasant task. 
And yet, Jesus came for the most unpleasant task in the history of mankind to suffer and pay the full penalty on the cross for your sin and my sin. I want to go back to Genesis chapter 3. Some of you may say, well, you know, Pastor, have you lost your mind? You know, Christmas is, is about the birth of Christ. Yeah, it is. But I want to suggest to you this morning that in Genesis chapter 3, we see the first proclamation made by God about the gospel. The only hope to clean up man's mess. Is anybody here who never made a mess? <laughs> right? I want you to, to take a journey with me through this chapter and we, we start seeing what developed. Now you realize when Adam and Eve were created by God, he stepped back, you know, and, and said, the creation was what? Very good. And then somebody who we know as Satan uh, comes into the garden, and I guess snakes could talk back then, uh, and has an encounter with Eve. Let's, let's read that, okay? It says, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. I, you know, I think it's fitting for the serpent to be compared to animals. Um, plus, Satan is an animal. Uh, be, uh, after the fall, the animals became what? Predators. Satan's a predator, right? Listen to this. He comes in with what seems to be an innocent question. Does, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? He knew exactly what God said. But what he's doing here is saying to, to Eve, look, did God really say that? And Eve's response is interesting, and I'll tell you why it's interesting. He said, the woman said to the serpent, we may eat from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, uh, and you must not touch it or you will die. Well, she embellished it a little bit. All God said was, you're not allowed to, to eat from the tree in the middle of the garden. He didn't say anything about touching it, right? So, you know, with this question, this question came as a simple theological question, right? And Satan answers this for her. He says, you, sh you will certainly... Uh, you will not certainly die, the serpent said to a woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So what does Satan do here? He plants doubt in the mind of Eve. Did God really mean what he says? Does he really mean it? That's a question for today, too. Does God really mean what he says? Is marriage supposed to be between a biological man and a biological woman? Yes. How do you know that? God says it, right? Um, are we, you know, we, we talk about 
morality and says that we shouldn't lie, we shouldn't covet, we shouldn't cheat, we shouldn't uh, uh, do all the things that we're prone to do because they go against God's will. And God says when we do that, it, it's sin. You know, my case when I wanted to do something that my parents objected to was to say to them, but everybody else is doing it, right? And of course, I got the standard pat answer. Well, if everybody was jumping off the George Washington Bridge, would you? Because we only lived a few minutes from the George Washington Bridge, you see. Um, and listen, God really means what he says. The evangelical church needs to wake up and understand that God means what he says. That sin creates messes that we're unable to clean up. Only God can do it through Jesus Christ. The Satan, uh, Satan here cannot make us sin. You understand that. All he can do is plant doubt into our minds and entice us with suggestion. And so, when you hear people say the devil made me do it, no. Listen, I'm going to take it one step further. You know, I see, I see personal conflicts a lot, you know, being a pastor and, you know, a husband, wife, parent, child, and I'll hear statements when the parent or the spouse does something wrong, you made me do it. No, you made yourself do it. You understand the difference? Look at how Eve handled this. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate of it. She also gave some to her husband. What a wimp. He should have stopped her, number one. Number two, he shouldn't have done the same thing, right? Um, who was with her, and he ate it. Did you ever say anything that you regret saying, wish you, you could take the words back? Did you ever do anything and wish you had to do over? Once it's done, there are consequences. There are consequences. That's another thing we don't like to talk about today. There are consequences. Listen, God knew there was going to be consequences from the rebellion in the garden. And these consequences would shortly result in what? One brother murdering another. The first murder, if you will. Monk wasn't on the scene. Quincy wasn't on the scene, right? Uh, this was a blatant inheritance from the parents because sin entered the world through Adam. Through Adam. Some people will say, well, that's not fair. Yeah, it's fair, because if we were there, we would have done the same thing. Through one man, sin enters the world, Adam. And through one man, God-man, Jesus, 
sin is reconciled. Look at this progresses. I love the dialogue here. It says, then the eyes of both were open and they realized they were naked, right? I mean, they were naked in, you know, to begin with, right? But they, they didn't see anything wrong with that. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll ask people, why do you think that happened? Why, you know, after sin came into the world through Adam, and, of course, Eve is affected also, uh, why all of a sudden did their nakedness become shame? What, what do you think? Well, you're almost there, okay? You're almost there. For the first time, as husband and wife, they knew that if they could sin against God, that they can manipulate one another. So they covered up. They covered up. They didn't do very well either, right? You'll see that in a second. Then man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Why do you think they hid? They're ashamed. When people sin, they sometimes hide, don't they? Right? <coughs> they were ashamed. <coughs> Excuse me. They disobeyed God. Listen, when you read the account of, of paradise or the Garden of Eden, God says, this is all yours. You can eat from any tree except the one. Junior, there's a box in the closet I don't want you to go into. It's got important papers. Well, you can count that goodbye, right? I mean, they're going to do it. It's the same principle. Now, Junior takes a responsibility for his actions, right? But it's, this is the same principle here. Look what ensues. Here you go. But the Lord called, uh, called to man. Where are you? He knew where they were. Listen, God will always keep us accountable. Always. Where are you? He knew where they were. He knew what they did, right? But he wanted to call them to account. He answered, I heard you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. That's Adam, right? And he said, God said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? <laughs> Here we go. The man said, the woman uh, you put here. Yeah, no, Chip. <laughs> Marriage counseling is this afternoon. All right? The woman you put here, God, the woman you created for my rib, gave me some of the fruit. It's not, it's not my fault. And I ate it. Well, okay. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me. And I ate it. It's not my fault. Devil made me do it. Right? 
Okay? Well, you know, with God, that's not going to hold up. Listen to this. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and wild animals. You will crawl on your belly. You will eat dust all the days of your life. Wow. God holds Satan accountable in this, doesn't he? And then he goes on to say, and I will put enmity between you and the woman. In other words, there's going to be hostility here, right? Uh, between your offspring and hers. In other words, you just started a spiritual war. You just started a spiritual war, Satan. The man is responsible, but you put the bait in front of him. And then he makes the first proclamation of the gospel. He will crush your head, Satan, and you will strike his heel. Who's he? Jesus. Jesus. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. I think Satan knew who exactly that was going to be because Jesus always existed, correct? The Son of God was going to come. He's going to crush your head. What happens if your head gets crushed? Yeah, yeah, I mean instantly. Instantly, right? And you will only strike his heel, Satan. You think you're going to get rid of him, but you're not. You're not. This is the first proclamation of the gospel, and God declared that he's not giving up on his creation, that his creation was good, and because now man declares war against God by disobedience, God is going to send a solution, his own son, so that what we lost through sin can be regained. What would be lost? Fellowship with God. What happened to Adam and Eve after this encounter? They got banished. And what did God put uh, in front of the entrance to the garden? Yeah, with lightsabers, right? I mean, that's the only thing I can think of. They were, you know, flashing, you know, to, to guard the entrance because, listen, the unholy cannot dwell with the holy. Our only hope is Jesus. Because when Jesus went to the cross, he went for the unholy to pay the penalty we deserve. And when we exercise faith in what Jesus did on the cross in our place, now we can go into the holy of holies because we're clothed with the righteousness of Christ. At the cross, who was defeated? Satan. At the cross, sin was defeated. And at the cross, the grave was defeated. So from Genesis 3, we have the proclamation of the gospel. Let's continue and look. Now he dresses the woman. I don't want you to throw anything at me here, okay? <laughs> this is what God says to the woman. I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. 
with painful labor you will give birth to children you will desire to your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you this is where the honeymooners honeymooners were born right i'm king of the castle you do what i say right yeah you may be king of the castle but the wife turns the head right um but this is where this all started now, because relationships now are fractured because of sin. Isn't that what fractures relationships? Doesn't mean there's no hope, because God can bring healing to a mess through Christ. Right? But look, they're painful. Can you realize, can you, listen, those who had C-sections don't count here. But can you, can you just visualize Given childbirth without pain, right? <laughs> now it's Adam's turn. To Adam, he said, because you listened to my wife and ate the fruit from the tree about which I command you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Sin has ripple effects. Cursed is the ground. Though painful, through painful toil, you will eat food from it in all the days of your life. Work wasn't painful before. Now it is. Okay? Um, it will produce thorns and thistles. <laughs> they never had a weed before the fall. It would produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since from it you were taken, for, for dust you are, and dust you will return. Now listen, I don't want to gloss over this. We all know this story. But the magnitude of the fall that ta has taken place in the Garden of Eden is cosmic. You know what I mean by cosmic? I'll just give you an idea, okay? When a space shuttle returns to Earth from space, they, they hit the atmosphere at about 37,000 miles an hour, okay? And we all know that you know, the atmosphere heats it up and they, they use different techniques to slow the speed down so they can glide to a, a landing. But let's say there was no atmosphere and they were coming back to this planet at 37 miles, uh, 37,000 miles per hour, and they crashed. What do you think would be left of the plane? Nothing. It'd be obliterated, right? It's a great fall. Nothing compares to the fall of Adam. In the garden, it was a great fall. Far greater than we ever know. Here's how great it was. All of creation is cursed. That's even beyond the earth. All of creation. What did God create? The heavens and earth. That's the universe. Through one man, sin came into the world. Romans says, and all creation cries out for the second coming of the Savior. Because 
not only will man, not only is man redeemed through the Savior, but creation will be too. The whole universe. You know, I really wrestled with this because I, I, I am really not sure how to communicate how big the fall was. You know, the older I get, the ground is farther away. So if I just fall from this height, it's a big fall. But when I was younger, you know, and if I would go on a ladder and fall from a ladder, that's a pretty big fall, correct? I met a, a man, actually at Bonnie and Chess, who fell from a uh, first or second story building, correct? And survived a great fall. But the fall that sin caused shatters lives, breaks relationships, and breaks fellowship with God. And the only hope is that baby in a manger the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, let me see if I covered everything. Hold on a second here. Adam named his wife Eve because uh, she would become the mother of all the living. And the Lord made garments of skin for Adam and Eve and clothed them. Listen, you know, don't underestimate God's grace because even in their fallen state God by his grace provides for them correct he made I mean this is better than Calvin Klein right he made garments of skin for them put them in designer clothes right and the Lord said the Lord God said, the man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must, not, he must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. The world is a mess because the world is inhabited by fallen people like me and you. And for those who don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, they get used to the mess. And our prayer needs to be that, especially during this season, that people would become a, some considerably more spiritually sensitive to the baby in the manger and why he came and the love of God to send his son to clean up our mess and what it cost him on the cross. Listen, the agony of the cross was not the physical agony as bad as that was. The agony on the cross was a result of your sin and mine because when Christ took on your sin and mine, fellowship between him and God was disrupted for the first time in all eternity. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That was a real agony of the cross. 
and on the cross, that baby in the manger, when he was a man, took the full wrath of God that we deserve in our place to help start to clean up our mess. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever should believe on him should not perish but have what? Eternal life. It's a good way to come along to the Lord's table, isn't it? To reflect on the magnitude, the cosmic magnitude of the fall. How it affected mankind. How it still affects mankind. And that our only hope is Jesus. It's not Washington, D.C., it's not Wall Street, it's not Walmart. You know, it, it, it is not uh, going to be through your job or, or uh, through wealth, only through Jesus. Many years ago, um, there was a company I worked for, uh, and they were, they were sold to another company. So for two or three weeks, I was on unemployment until I got another job. And back then, you had to go and report to unemployment. And it was winter day. It was cold. This is when we were on Washington Street, right? And the line was two blocks long to get in. And, you know, we're talking and all. And this, this, this great fellow in front, he was tall. He lo he's looking at the line, and he, he says in his voice, you know, folks, I don't care what we did for a living, whether you're a doctor, a plumber, a laborer, or what, but we're all equal here. At the cross, we're all equal. We need to repent, confess, and believe in Jesus Christ. So I'm going to ask who's ever serving communion to come on up. When the bread's handed out, would you please hold and we'll partake together. And uh, as, uh, as Sharon plays uh, some music for us, to be blessed by it. But this is a time of self-examination. This is a time where we ask the Holy Spirit to bring to our hearts and minds uh, sin that we need to confess, repent of and confess, and ask God's help to not do it again. It's a place for sinners, not perfect people. It's a place for sinners where we can come clean before God. Just as when God came into the garden and he says, where are you? He knew, but he wanted to hold them accountable. God knows our sin, so why hide it? Let's confess it, repent of it, and be done with it because of Jesus. So men, would you take the bread and distribute it?
It's nice to hear the organ. Yeah, it sounds it's, uh, beautiful. When Christ administered the Last Supper, if you will, Passover, uh, he took bread, he broke it. And he was always the teacher. And he said to his disciples, and trying to prepare them for the cross, that this is symbolic of his body, which will be torn up for him, for them. Right? You remember he was whipped down to the bone. They pulled his hair. They put a crown of thorns on him. And then he went to the cross naked, humiliated, and he did nothing wrong. He says to his disciples, when you eat this, do this in remembrance of me. Would you eat, please? We'll pass out the cup. Would you please hold and we'll partake together. Remember the illustration I used of the pressure cooker and the sauce all over the place, right? Boy, it was tough to clean. But the scripture says the blood of Christ cleanses us from our sin. Isn't that amazing? The blood of Christ. Because you see any covenant had to be ratified by the blood and in Christ's case, he was the perfect sacrifice. Fully God, fully man, paying our penalty. He knew he was going to be shedding blood on the cross. In fact, the guard made sure of that when he stabbed him in the side, correct? And Jesus says, when you take this cup, this is the sign of the new covenant that if you believe in me and trust in me, I will never leave you or forsake you. Would you drink this in memory of him? 
We're going to wait upon you um, for the fellow, the uh, benevolence fund offering. And as uh, the play comes around, if you feel led to to give, that would be great. I'm going to ask uh, Kristen and. Uh, <laughs> no, I, t I thought somebody was talking to me. No, I'm sorry. That, that's, that's okay. Uh, all right, guys, come on up. Kimmy, Kristen, Chip, and Sharon. Next week, um, we b will be looking at the announcement again of a savior, this time from the perspective of shepherds. Uh, and uh, we'll talk more about that. So uh, we'll, we'll close with angels we have heard on high. Uh, and I want you to think about it as we go through the Christmas holidays. Kip?
Amen. Were you blessed by the music today? Amen. Yeah. Just so you know, I'll give WOBM a plug on uh, Facebook here. Um, they are playing uh, uh, Christmas songs from now until Christmas. And if you need something during the day, uh, you know, they're playing some of the old traditional songs and some of the, the nice hymns and, and all that we sing. So um, I just praise God that the gospel's going out and the, the good news. And every year, you know, I, I try to send uh, OBM a thank you for, for being bold these days to, to keep the name of Jesus on the air. As we close, let me encourage you to keep the name of Jesus in your heart because out of the heart comes your words. And the words come out, they'll be pointing people to Jesus. Mm. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for this time together. Thank you for all who are here. And Father, I know we still have some people who are under the weather, struggling with stomach viruses and um, uh, respiratory issues. We pray for each, Father. We pray that you would um, restore them back to health. And Father, as we are dismissed today, dismiss us in the power of the Holy Spirit so we can bring you glory and honor as we serve you. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said? Amen. 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 God bless. Have a great day.